Welcome to the Lovability Podcast. My name is Jennifer Stiers, and I'm here to talk love, relationships, sex, marriage, and everything in between. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Lovability Show. I am super excited today about our guest. Uh, I have Dr. Neha Kansara. She's a psychiatrist. Uh, with the uh, uh, Amen Clinics, and Amen Clinics aren't, they have a location here in Dallas, but they're everywhere across uh, the nation, and they have been doing work on brains. They study brains. They do a, a specific brain scan, which she'll tell us about, uh, and uh, I have been following Dr. Uh, Dr. Amen. Daniel Amen is his name, who started the clinic. Uh, I actually nerdily saw him one time on uh, PBS. I was watching PBS because I watch PBS. And, uh, and he was talking about food, actually diet, and how certain foods affect the brain and, uh, you know, for better or worse, or uh, sometimes in, you know, sickness, illness, mental illness, uh, just a fascinating discussion, but there's so much more. And when they opened in Dallas, I had a friend to make the introduction uh, to the clinic. And uh, I, I knew we needed to talk about what love does to the brain because so many people think that love is an emotion and that's how they describe it. But actually love is, love is produced in the brain. And we're going to talk about how that's produced. Uh, and uh, Dr. Neha Kansara, as I said, is joining us. Uh, and I think she's in Louisiana. Uh, Dr. Kansara, are you there? There you are. I am. Thank you so much, Jen. This has been uh, the best opportunity to come speak on your show regarding such a wonderful topic. Uh, love. Love is the, is a topic that basically we can start and cover so many things. We can keep talking and talking all the time. And uh, that's why actually I chose to wear my color red today with my hearts on it and uh, just have some little perkiness with all this color red today. Then we're gonna talk about how uh, you look at someone and get attracted and colors and uh, the red, the color red and anything that strikes out on your face is so important for anybody to feel attracted to you. And- uh, Oh, you're not, al you're not allowed to, wait, you're not allowed to brush over that. So, uh, so <laughs> colors, so colors attract people. So talk to us about colors because that's that would be important. I mean, ladies, if you're going on a first date and you want to make an impression, it matters what you wear. And I didn't know it matters what color. I mean, obviously colors do certain things to the brain, but let's talk about that. Absolutely. So having said and talking, diving into colors, the color for Valentine's Day is red. Why is the color red so important? The color red strikes out as a very vibrant, energetic, and a very sensual form of color that when you look at the color red, it makes you feel, ah, this is amazing. You get this feel of sensuality. You get this feeling about this person being confident and this person, you know, having their own personality about the, um, about the color red. I'm going to talk to you about different brain lobes and how they connect with each other and how the love circuit is actually formed. So uh, we have four main brain lobes, okay? And we're going to make this very simple and divide it into frontal lobe, temporal lobe, parietal lobe, and occipital lobe at the back, okay? 
since we were talking about colors and we're talking about the appearance, brain and love work 50 to 60% on visual processing. Our visual processing center in the brain called the occipital lobe is actually at the back, which is, you know, pretty ironical because we have eyes in the front. But that's how the brain connections are made. The occipital lobe is involved with visual processing. So when you see someone and you're attracted to this person or you just look at them and you were walking in the mall or shopping and you just took a glance and said, oh my God, that person looks amazing. And you just kind of feel this sense of uh, adrenaline kind of going through your body, all of these hormones kind of kicking in. You're like, oh my gosh, this is somebody who I feel attracted to. What happened in that process? was your occipital lobe, which is at the back, visualize, process this person or uh, this individual as being attractive. Maybe this person was wearing the color red, which added on to more visual processing, sent signals to your eyes, okay? And then it said, oh my gosh, this is the person I think I wanna go ahead and date, right? Or this is the kind of person who I always visualized would be the person I wanted to probably be with. How does that work further? After your eyes processed this image of the person wearing red color, we're just saying red, um, uh, it, all of this information was then sent to a structure in your limbic system, which is a deep brain structure inside your brain, not in the lobes, which consists of two major structures called the amygdala and the hippocampus. The amygdala is extremely important part of the limbic system, which uh, basically is responsible for emotions, reactions, rewards, and a feeling of being good. Like, ah, this is amazing. Once that signal is sent to the amygdala, the amygdala says, I think I like this person. The amygdala later on tries to put that signal into the hippocampus, which is the memory center, because you know you had this memory of this person, it goes saves there which then is projected to your prefrontal cortex, which is a part of your frontal lobe. The prefrontal cortex is called the brain cop, or I call it the CEO. The CEO regulates what your next steps are gonna be, okay? So all of these things and networks are connected. Once the signals or once these neurons are fired and this information is reached to your computer system, which is the prefrontal cortex, the CEO of the brain, your next steps are, what should I do? I am feeling like I'm attracted to this person. Is this person safe? It gives you all kinds of thoughts firing like in milliseconds and neurons are built and a lot of things are going on there, a lot of firing. Should I go ahead and ask him for a date? Should I go ask him for a coffee? The appearance of the person looks pretty good. And you know, all of these structures are involved in love circuits. We were also going to go ahead and talk about the temporal lobes, which is kind of present here. And then we have the parietal lobes. And then we have, we already talked about the occipital lobe. Can, the can I, can I, wait, can I break you for just one second? Um, because ahead. these are, I, I'm sure a lot of terms that a lot of people haven't maybe heard or just heard in passing. And, uh, and, and so I, I want to help people understand how this all works together. You know, from the standpoint of attraction, so what makes uh, that you know occiput? What makes that occipital lobe um, be attracted to that? Like what drives that? And then when it finally makes it up to the frontal lobe, 
that's when I guess psychologically, that's where we have, that's where people make bad decisions. <laughs> I mean, that, because that, that, that is, that is the place where we, we can make those decisions and we do make decisions about that. And so from a psychological standpoint, let's, let's kind of hit that because I think this is super important because a lot of people want to understand where attraction comes from. Yes, it comes from the brain, but what drives that? And then, then the process of what do we do with that? Um, how, what is that left up to? Is that a brain thing or is that a psychological thing uh, for us to take action? Absolutely. A wonderful question, which has a, a lot of different networking of answers. So I'm going to start with what drives the occipital lobe or what drives the love in the brain? What, where does the feeling spark up from? So there are several neurotransmitters which our brain produces all the time. And for the people listening to this, you probably have heard of neurotransmitters like dopamine and oxytocin, epinephrine, norepinephrine, serotonin, right? All of these are produced inside the brain. So our brain is constantly working to uh, produce these uh, chemicals in uh, that very easy terminology, or they're also called neurotransmitters, which are produced by neurons, different nuclei within the brain structure within the limbic system and the amygdala. So when you do get attracted to a person and you see, and your occipital lobe sends signals to your eyes, which is visual, as I said, the brain is very visual. Uh, when a woman sees a man or vice versa, a man sees a woman, the male uh, hormones, testosterone, and the female hormones, estrogen, kind of spark up, okay? When these hormones spark up, there is a release of chemicals called pheromones. Pheromones are the happy chemicals or the happy hormones which are released when you are in love or you are attracted to someone. This is the attraction phase. What happens next is the infatuation phase of, um, of love. And the infatuation phase has a constellation of neurotransmitters or chemicals, uh, which uh, basically include the epinephrine, norepinephrine, dopamine surge, and the serotonin surge. All of these four together, when you're infatuated with somebody, kind of spark up this huge fire. It's like firecrackers going on 4th of July. It's feeling amazing. You want to talk to this person all the time. You can't get them out of your head. Sleep is... Who cares about sleep anyway, because you want to be uh, on the phone hours and hours talking to them. What is all these, what are all these chemicals or neurotransmitters doing? They are causing what's called an adrenaline rush through your body, which is being perceived by the brain and saying, oh my God, let me have all the fun in my life. Okay. And very soon I'm going to answer the question about where damages occur and why decision-making is so important in the prefrontal cortex. So the if, first stage after this, so, in the so can I pause you for one second? So, uh, so I'm sure you're familiar with Helen Fisher. Uh, she's an anthropologist and scientist. She studied love. She works with Match.com. Uh, uh, unbelievable studies on love and relationships and what happens also in the brain. And she, what you just talked about, you know, she it, she says it is similar when they do the brain scan. It's similar to a rush of cocaine. Like if you've just done cocaine, that it does kind of this it does that same adrenaline rush. Uh, in in you and it it does cause you to that's what causes you to not think clearly people <laughs> when you're making yeah. decisions 
that is what causes you to not think very clearly through things because you're blinded. That is the whole blinded by love, what she just spoke about all these, that dang dopamine <laughs> at work. But yeah, it's just, it's blinding. Yes, dopamine can be good and bad. It all depends on how much dopamine surge we're getting. And yes, it is a form of cocaine addiction. I would not say cocaine itself, but any form of addiction. Because uh, in the amygdala, there is a small nucleus called nucleus acumen. The nucleus acumen is always responsible for the addiction center pleasure rewards where dopamine is actually uh, not produced, but it's actually projected into. So yes, after all these projections are made out there, and as I said, the last decision maker is your prefrontal cortex. If your prefrontal cortex is damaged, you can actually fall into the trap of making the wrong decision. What if that person out there is a serial killer, right? You, your brain kind of signals you, if your brain's healthy, it will signal you with a fear response where the amygdala will light up and say, danger, danger, danger. Okay, you're not supposed to go ahead, approach this person, because there is something, uh, you know, kind of eerie about it or something. But at the same time, if you have a healthy brain, your prefrontal cortex, which is a cop, tells you, I think it's fine to go ahead and approach this person maybe for a coffee. So you take things cautiously. So yes, just like you can get addicted to drugs and how drugs can damage the brain, which is very, which is one of the very important factors that causes toxin exposure or inflammation to the brain. Similarly, it can hamper your uh, prefrontal cortex system. Although the amygdala may or may not be working in a flight or flight response, the prefrontal cortex is the most important one to be a gate. It's like a gatekeeper telling you to do the right and the wrong thing. So, and going back again, as I was mentioning those stages, um, the third stage where you're all settled in, all that adrenaline rush has settled out because you can't be an adrenaline rush forever, right? Your body will wear out, your brain wears out. So what comes next is the commitment stage. The commitment stage is regulated by a hormone, the love hormone, the hugging hormone, as I call it, is oxytocin. Uh, the oxytocin is the love hormone when you hug a child, when you hug your partner, when you feel a sense of uh, joy, pleasure, and settlement in life, okay? A feeling of content. What happens when all of these hormones, neurotransmitters, brain functions do not work adequately? You can land up into trouble. There is relationship troubles, which can lead to breakups. There can be divorces. There can be separation. What happens when there are, when the brain's not functioning well? Levels of these neurotransmitters drop either gradually or suddenly, okay? A sudden drop in any of these neurotransmitters or a gradual drop can cause brain inflammation. Brain inflammation can lead to anxiety, depression, poor impulse control, thereby poor decision-making, poor thinking patterns, right? So there's lack of forethought, which your prefrontal cortex guides. Your prefrontal cortex, by the way, guys, is like really light here. It's a part, it's a, it's a small part within your frontal lobe. So, um, because your brain is not healthy, you have your, your sensorium is probably clouded in some way, which uh, obscures the decision-making process, 
Okay. So the decision-making process is extremely important for planning a life for the future, right? All of this is connected like a maze and there are several neurons and connections going on every, every millisecond. Niha, really quickly. Yeah. So you keep um, referencing a, an unhealthy brain. So when your brain's not healthy and yes, it could be substance, uh, from substance abuse or uh, unhealthy foods or diet. Uh, and it could also be from, you know, accidents, right? Falling, car accidents, things like that. So I feel like that's important to talk about too. Like how does the brain, we talk about the brain not being healthy. Can you speak to that just a little bit so people can understand maybe where they could look, where they could maybe find some answers. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. As I did mention, I'm going to keep repeating that although you love someone and it comes right from your heart is what people say, the main organ in your body driving love, feelings, understanding love, feelings, etc., is your brain. So if you want to really be in love, be in a very secure relationship or a marriage with, uh, you need to have a very healthy brain. And Jennifer, yes, uh, your brain can be healthy if it's in your hands. And this is what I tell my patients almost every day, every hour is 60 to 70% of your brain function or blood flow is guided because you can take care of it. Uh, it's like taking care of a car. If you love your car, you're going to make sure your car is working fine. The engine lights are working. Everything's going fine. However, if you ignore brain function and which can occur because of traumatic brain injuries, it can occur because of emotional trauma, chronic mental illness, different exposure to toxins in the environment. We are even talking about different exposure to drugs and a lot of different things can cause uh, the brain to be inflamed. So going one step at a time, yes, traumatic brain injuries, uh, because of a whiplash injury, because of drowning, sport injuries, etc., affect certain parts of the brain. Uh, when it mainly affects the prefrontal cortex, that's why our judgment gets impaired. When our judgment gets impaired, our decision-making capacity uh, automatically is impaired. So we have trouble navigating ourselves to do the right or preventing the wrong or even differentiating between the right and the wrong. Similarly, if your prefrontal cortex or any part of the brain is damaged with trauma, which is a traumatic brain injury because of all the reasons I mentioned, similarly, your emotional brain, the inside, which is your limbic system, as I discussed earlier, the amygdala can be affected with long-standing past emotional trauma, and which is very classic of PTSD and veterans, et cetera, where, um, constant exposure to trauma or being in a traumatic relationship or even being exposed to childhood trauma or any of the trauma that you've experienced, it does not necessarily, when the word trauma comes, a lot of people think about just sexual trauma or a war trauma, but trauma could be perceived even emotionally. You may not you have probably not had any form of sexual trauma directly, or you've not been in Vietnam or Iraq for a war, but you've probably been in a very toxic environment, a toxic relationship, which you don't realize over time because there's a process called as habitual long-term potentiation. What happens in the long-term potentiation is neurons are fired every millisecond, bad habits continue to develop, 
bad habits get ingrained in the part of the, the limbic system called the hippocampus. And over periods of time, repetition gives signals to the amygdala saying, this is my life and this is how it's going to be. So the amygdala function automatically drops down. Your limbic system's working way too hard than it's supposed to and cannot relax, which automatically drops the levels of these neurotransmitters that we just discussed right now, leading to a past emotional traumatic process, which is lived and relived every day in your brain. So a past emotional trauma, traumatic brain injuries, exposure to drugs, toxins, a poor diet, poor lifestyle, et cetera, can cause a decrease in brain functioning. So I talk about this to my patients and staff every day, and I'm a, I'm a huge believer and follower of this myself, is if your brain is not healthy, if it's not breathing, then you're going to feel suffocated. Okay, just the way you feel if you're going to be suffocated in an environment or locked up in a room for days without seeing sun, how do you feel? You just feel gloomy, your mood's down, you want to be set free, you want to go out and just kind of be like, oh, this is, I want to breathe. Similarly, your brain wants to do the same thing. Your heart pumps blood, doesn't stop while you're resting, it doesn't stop pumping blood, it doesn't stop working while you're doing anything, right? It just regulates your heart rate up and down. Similarly, your brain occupies a small portion of the whole body, but it needs to have more than, I mean, a good adequate amount of blood flow reaching 100% to all of these lobes that we just discussed to produce those neurotransmitters in order to have those connections in the neurons and function adequately. Okay, so can How we, you... can we, I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep interrupting you. Um, so again i think i think it's awesome to hear about all of the different neurotransmitters and all of the functions i mean because it is this is the science of how it all works and it's great let's try let's try to bring all this home for people in a way that they can utilize um, in their relationships uh, on a daily basis because i mean what you gave a great background i mean there was probably not uh, you know, a part of the brain or a neurotransmitter or a chemical. We talked about oxytocin, which I'd like to talk about that a little bit more because it's different the way that that chemical works and hormone works in men and women in a relationship. Let's bring it home relationally with the rest of the time that we have because I I, I don't know. I mean, because we're, people don't have to have that conversation about their brain and they're, they're never going to know what neurotransmitters aren't firing or what's not working. So let's just talk about if, so we, we talked about dopamine, uh, and, and, and the hypothalamus and how important that is, but let's talk about, uh, when somebody does have, when they have patterns of, uh, relationships, people that they keep choosing uh, over and over again. Can those patterns be changed? And how do we do that? How does the, how, not from a scientific standpoint, but how can we, from a psychological standpoint, retrain our brain to choose better, to make better choices, to change the patterns in our brain? Because we can change the patterns. Beliefs and patterns can be changed. How can people do that? Let's talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. And, and as you did mention, Jen, uh, uh, patterns are exactly what drives 
your personality. Are you able to hear me? Am I yeah, still we on? Can, yeah, you were, you froze for a second, but you're back. Okay. Is, um, okay. Am I back now? You're I back. Think I'm back. Mm -hmm. Okay. Awesome. All right. So patterns drive. What is your personality? Yes. You choose. If you've realized people say usually choose, uh, to it, I'm talking from uh, a woman's standpoint, you choose to marry your father, a person like your father, because you either idolize them or you hated them so much, or you do exactly the opposite. Okay. So yes, patterns are very important and patterns are genetic coding of your personality. So your personality drives your uh, choices. And it's your not conscious. Drive what kind of and it's not conscious. So what she's saying is it's, this is not like, she's saying you choose your father. You don't, nobody would choose to date their father, <laughs> you know, but you subconsciously right. are, are, exactly. are like you said, basing those choices on characteristics you loved about him or didn't like. Uh, so there's the psychological part of it. It's, but a lot of that is subconscious, which is it, I know, I'm sure you're going to talk about, which is why it needs to be brought into the conscious if you're going to change anything. Uh, the psychological part of this is, yes, all this happens in the brain. Yes, it. there are functions that we can track. And, and you all do there. You can see it on a brain scan exactly what areas of the brain are being triggered uh, during an interaction or talking about something when, when somebody's discussing love or discussing a relationship, you can see exactly where the function or dysfunction is. But what do people do about that? Can they do something about that? And, and yes, there is a way to retrain those, the, the brain in a sense. So I'm going to let you again, take over from there. I just wanted to yes, point out that it wasn't that. a conscious choice. Yes, your subconscious memory, which I did mention before, is all stored in the hippocampus. So all the memories that you have, which is stored in that portion of the brain, drives you to make certain choices by uh, sending signals to your prefrontal cortex, like we like we actually discussed. You are not stuck with the brain you have at this moment. Your brain can change all the time. And as Jen did mention, can you retrain your brain? Yes, you can actually retrain your brain. And let me bring this very uh, important example and a good example here. Dr. Amen's actually coming up with this, uh, come up with this new book called Your Brain is Always Listening. So your brain is listening to you, as I did mention, and I gave that, an uh, that analogy with the car, is your brain has these inner dragons that are breathing uh, the negative emotions when it comes to patterns. So when you're, when you're actually having patterns and you're repeating the behavior again and again, as I did mention, it's called long-term potentiation, which gets stored as a memory and ingrained. You're, you take that as a way of life. So making bad choices becomes a way of your life because you did it and you probably didn't fall into enough trouble. So there weren't enough consequences, but when ultimately the brain kind of is so toxic and inflamed and says, this is it, I can't do this anymore. It's filled with negative reinforcement all the time. Okay. So these dragons breathe fear, danger, anxiety, depression, trauma. They're telling you all negative things all the time. But the book talks about you're not stuck with those dragons, right? He even has a quiz. If you go on that website uh, for his book, there's a quiz about knowing your inner dragons and your negative dragons and how those negative dragons have a dialogue with the positive dragons and say, you are not stuck with the brain you have. You can change and retrain it. How can you retrain your brain, people? Very simple. And we're talking about relationships at home and how to make things work. If you're 
Okay, let's talk about a situation where a couple comes back from work and maybe the wife had a bad day, the husband had a bad day in his own way, okay? And they, they're back home and instead of saying, hi, honey, how was your day? And hugging where the oxytocin comes into play and kind of giving everybody a sense of security, which women have, when oxytocin is producing women, it gives security. When oxytocin is producing men, it gives the feeling of pleasure, correct? So both ways, uh, instead of doing that, they come and start screaming and yelling at each other. What's happening? The inner dragon in the, in the female says, oh my God, I have a very bad day and I'm just gonna be miserable when I go home because I, I don't wanna see his face because he's gonna make it worse. He has the same feeling saying, oh, she's going to be really grouchy today or grumpy. Maybe she's on her cycles or something's going on. And I've had the worst days. So I don't even want to see her. When you go with that approach, which is a negative reinforcement to your brain, what you're doing is just making things worse. You're, you're actually not creating an environment which is healthy, secure at home. Instead, they tell you to start training your brain at yourself in your home because this is in your hands. So a small hug, a peck on the cheek, a little small dark chocolate, eating good dinner together, maybe cooking together, certain things you can do together to make each other feel loved and secure to release this hormone clock toasting. Okay, so yeah, may I, may I pause here? Because I always talk about this. It's so, that's such a good point. Uh, you know, the way oxytocin is released in men is through relaxing. The way it's released in women <laughs> is the complete opposite. It's through multitasking. So, it, and that's important because as you're talking about how do you how do you constructively figure out how to be happy together? I mean, the answer is hug, you know, and let him go sit on the sofa and and zone out for 30 minutes and you go cook or do the laundry or whatever it is you do that are multitasking for 30 minutes, which releases oxytocin in a woman. And then you guys can come back after 30 minutes and, and you both have gotten the release of oxytocin that way too. I mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm just giving another example because I feel like people need to understand the difference in the way the oxytocin works in men and women because it's the complete opposite. Exactly. And you nailed it actually right there. So uh, Dr. Amen's book called Brain and Love actually even talks about, and I'm bringing this example because it's so cool, talks about how men, uh, as you talked about sitting on the couch, want the remote control in their hands because they love browsing through different things at a time. And it could be sports, it could be news, politics, it could be uh, the weather channel. It could be anything, and they are they're they're the brains producing oxytocin while they're actually even browsing through all of this at that time. And on the other hand, there a, a woman would probably say, "Let me just go ahead in my room, pick up a nice book, take a little glass of wine, light a little candle out there, and just use my time to spend time with that book, or even watch a very boring or a very nice." family soap opera, okay, which she will probably watch one series for a very long time. That's what his brain, that's what his book talks about is how men and women are different. Their so, brains are different. Their so brain that's, wh that's why men flip those channels like that. I, uh, my dad must need a lot of oxytocin. I'm just telling you, cause he can go through those channels. He drives me nuts. I can't watch a TV with him. <laughs> he is flipping so, through those channels. 
that's a story in my house too where the control belongs to both the guys over here i have a one-year-old that loves the remote control already Ooh. and i have my husband who can be watching tv and can sit on the couch for like days and be so happy surfing the internet and just be happy while i am on the other hand as you mentioned multitasking doing so many things which is giving me pleasure okay the other way of actually even having oxytocin releases is they say do something that makes you happy do something that actually uh, gives you that pleasure which could be running could be exercise getting free serotonin oxytocin eventually as i said all these hormones neurotransmitters connected to each other just make yourself uh, happy in a situation where you are deriving some form of pleasure. It could be even going out and shopping, which is giving reward. Uh, the dopamine surge, right? Women love that. Women just we even do. love to go to a mall and just, you know, just retail shopping. I mean, with COVID, I'm sure people have not been doing that, which is talking about that since people have been homebound so much with COVID, We've seen a huge surge of depression and anxiety and broken relationships. And of course, divorce lawyers are making a lot of money out of it. So what do we need to do in order to reverse that? So very important top five things that I talk about is uh, your brain is in your hands. So five top things that will help you make that brain healthier every day, every minute, every second is diet, hydration, adequate amount of sleep, uninterrupted sleep, of course, exercising, as I did mention earlier, and avoiding any kind of inflammation or toxins to the brain, right? So a very balanced diet that you actually even opened the show with today, Jen, where you actually heard Dr. Raymond talk about diet is so, so important. Think about a diet which is inflamed with junk food. You're putting in all kinds of toxins, carcinogens, which, which your body is releasing as free radicals, which is bad for your brain eventually, thereby decreasing blood supply to those very important parts of your brain which need to function, correct? May I, may I just, may I step in because it's such a big subject. I mean, everything you talked about is such a big subject. Absolutely. I would recommend to people picking up Dr. Raymond's book. Uh, he's got several, yeah. but the one on diet, because it is, there is so much to it. There's way too much to talk about, but everything you put in your body affects your body, your cells, and your brain. Uh, and so it's going to affect decisions that you make. It's going to increase inflammation in your body, which is going to affect decisions that you make because it's inflaming the brain too. I mean, all of this stuff matters if we want to get healthy. If we're making the decision to get healthy, be in a healthy relationship, you know, obviously, number one, taking care of ourselves uh, emotionally and physically, uh, especially with depression too. That's something else you can you can monitor and and uh, have some control over with the diet. Believe it or not, even people being able to get off some people being able to get off antidepressants uh, that uh, are able to control you know diet controlled uh, that way. But having said this, I want to also uh, also talk to uh, the fact that, you know, people, people that get into relationships and then uh, have their heart broken. So I want to talk about heartbreak a little bit, even because we've talked about all this great stuff uh, and pheromones and all of that uh, and what drives us to people, but, uh, and falling in love, the process of, you know, losing our minds and, uh, you know, as Helen Fisher always talks about, you know, there, there's books written about love and people kill for love. And, you know, they, it's, it's, it, it's such a powerful force. When we get our heart broken, 
let's talk about that a little bit and what happens and what we can actually do physically to recover from a broken heart, to help ourselves start to recover from a broken heart. Because what people typically do is they isolate themselves and obsess over what happened or didn't happen, uh, and they get in their head about it. Uh, so let's talk about what happens in the brain with heartbreak and maybe what we can, you know, quickly what happens in the brain and then what, what they can do about it uh, psychologically. Absolutely, yes. And this is such a great topic to pick up because that was the last stage that I was going to talk about uh, is the detachment phase. That's what happens when you actually go through a breakup. It's a detachment. So when you're attached to a person so much, the detachment is absolutely, it feels your brain uh, uh, tells you that, oh my God, this is impossible. I cannot absolutely do this because there were so many months or years that I lived with this person and you were so used to them. And then suddenly uh, or gradually, you are not going to see this person anymore or not going to talk to them anymore causes that feel good neurotransmitter serotonin to drop so there's very low levels of it and when when there are very low levels of serotonin in your brain uh you're um you're automatically prone to isolation as you mentioned which leads to depression which causes anxiety because you have that hamster wheel thought process going on in your brain over and over again because your thoughts are all about this person about what happened why did they do that did i do something wrong which affects your self-esteem and in general some people uh are completely withdrawn okay while some other people are impulsive and do impulsive things correct so these are unhealthy patterns or behaviors that if you do not change or realize or do not have an insight to early on in the process can become extremely damaging to the brain as we did talk about chronic mental illness or uh, insecure relationships and stuff like that also affect the blood flow to your brain correct how do you that's fascinating you just rolled through that but that's that what you just said was really fascinating so relationships that you don't, you, that aren't providing security. And that's a big thing for women. Uh, relationships that aren't providing security uh, affect your brain. What, it, what don't, can you go back and rewind just a teeny bit on that? Cause I think that's super important. Yes. And, and having said that, um, uh, men look for more uh, relationships in terms of uh, sensuality, sexuality, and in terms of an anchoring, women look for more uh, building up a relationship in terms of family, rearing, how is he going to protect me? So the brains are designed that way. And that's why security in a relationship and trust is extremely important for both sexes, but they have their own meanings to it. A woman thinks about security and uh, uh, feelings of security in a different way when it comes to family, having kids, etc. A man talks, uh, thinks about security with a family in terms of protecting his family, protecting his little fort, right? But think about this: when that, when the walls of the fort are broken down, or somebody entered it, or something happened, what happens? You crash. If you're not prepared for a crisis, your brain gives you signals in the amygdala saying this is danger, right? What happens when you are not having the potential of resilience to bounce back? Your brain automatically shuts down the serotonin system. You have depression, anxiety, impulse control, poor impulse control, obsessive thoughts, and bad decisions, right? How can you change this? You are not stuck with the brain you have today. I'm going to repeat this over and over again. You have the potential to change your brain by all these above methods that we talked about, the five very essential methods. 
exercise is extremely important. What is what else is important is understanding maybe what happened was for a purpose that probably will give you a perspective into the future from learning from what happened in your past. In order to learn from your past experiences and converting the negative feelings into more accurate thinking patterns and killing the ants or calling it killing the automatic negative thoughts, which is a part of cognitive behavioral therapy, also helps kind of retrain your brain into more positive thinking. So learning from a previous broken relationship or something that was toxic in the relationship, converting it into more accurate thinking patterns and saying, learning from it and saying, I don't want to make the same mistake over. I'm not going to choose the same person again because they hurt me or I felt hurt or I felt disrespected or abused or something is better than actually living through the guilt of what I did wrong or having a low self-esteem. Yeah, changing so, changing so that perspective. I just want to say what you just said, uh, but changing your perspective and your outlook on what it was. You know, if it was a previous relationship, and this is you know, you you come to the table, and I know this from counseling. You somebody comes to me and they say, "Well, this is what happened, and this is how the person made me feel, and this is why it ended, and this is what he or she did to me." But if we're able to break that down, open it up, find the source of it, and then change the perspective, well. Maybe you thought it was because of this, but what if it was because of this? And as soon as you open up other possibilities for people and you're able to change the way that you're thinking about what happened. So it may not have been that they fell out of love with you. It may have, it may be that they were in a place in their life where they were confused on which way to go. It was their own confusion. It had nothing to do with you. And they needed to, they needed to clear their plate so that they could move forward and make better decisions in their own life. But it really didn't have anything to do with you at all. I'm just throwing that example out there because there's always a million possibilities, but just changing if we can just change that perspective, uh, which we normally can't do ourselves, which you have to go to somebody else to have that perspective change for you, but uh, to open up the realm of possibilities, but just changing that perspective changes the way that we move forward with the next decision. So, you know, if, if, if A and B line up, you know, you can't, you normally if you go A to B to somebody else is going to F based on their assumptions, you know, there's, there's a different way, there's a different route to go. And sometimes if you can just learn a different route, a different way of thinking, uh, a different perspective, a different option, it'll get your brain moving in a different direction of healing. Uh, so just being open to possibility, I think, is super important when you're trying to recover uh, from a relationship or something even happens within a relationship that you don't understand that you may be internalizing. Changing your perspective on it, as you said, uh, in a very clinical way, but it was great. Um, but just changing your perspective on it changes everything and it allows, allows you to open yourself up to possibilities to move forward. Absolutely. And having said that, and to make, to summarize what you said, Jen, was super amazing. And uh, maybe you were dating the person whose brain's not healthy. How about that? Maybe right. putting a positive affirmation to yourself saying, this is not not all you it's probably not your fault completely as you mentioned you are probably dating somebody who has to deal with their own things their brain's probably not as healthy as healthy as it's supposed to be so you need a break you need to actually cut through and learn from that process and maybe 
as we talked about patterns before, is do not repeat the same pattern again by choosing somebody, uh, somebody whose brain's not healthy. Or so alike, doctors- or, or like somebody else that you've chosen that it's a similar pattern yeah. that you're in. You know, we've, we do have to wrap right. this up. Uh, we, we are at that point and, and there's been a lot of amazing information. I mean, just so much, there's so many ways we could talk about when we have, (laughs) we could talk about this for hours. Um, I, I feel like we, uh, we covered a lot of where attraction comes from. Uh, there's more to that too. I mean, what, who we're attracted to isn't always healthy. And I think you just said a key thing as well is that, Everybody's different. I think the thing that the mistake people make when they go into things is our, our, everything's a perception. The way our brain sees things and has processed things is different from everybody else's. And so when we get into a relationship, we have to understand that the, the way somebody else is thinking and what they need and the way they process things are completely different. So we need to really pay attention in a relationship, in a new relationship, as to what is driving this person, what makes them happy, what, what you know, where am I getting a negative reaction, and understanding that we can, even with a partner, I mean, I know you'll agree with this, we can change a part. I mean, we can, even as adults, we can teach our partner about us and and change the way that the, the dynamic works by communicating with our partner as to what we like and what we don't like and what triggers us and and so on. So even as adults with our own brains and our own history and our own dysfunction and our own brain you know, inflammation or whatever it is we have, that we can actually, we can actually uh, connect in the middle and, and work together to make it harmonious, right? Absolutely. Yes. Very, very, very important uh, uh, things discussed here that, and, and as I say, you're not stuck with the brain you have, you can change the way you think and you can learn from previous experiences and change uh, what you are today in order to have a better tomorrow. So I just want to touch base on just quickly about brain scans here. So uh, at Amen Clinic, we actually stand apart from other clinics because we have the ability to do what's called a SPEC scan. And the SPEC scan is stand, the SPEC stand, it stands for Single photo, Photon Emission Computer Tomography. It's a nuclear medicine scan, pretty similar to an MRI in some ways, but MRI studies uh, anomalies or structural problems in the brain, whereas we all this time we were discussing about how blood flow to the brain is important for love, for functioning, for optimal health. So sex scans actually study blood flow to these parts of the brain that we've been talking about so far. So if you want to actually check how how much your brain's functioning or how much it needs to function, you can actually get scanned with us in Dallas. Uh, you can uh, come over to our clinic and we can solve issues. Dr. Amen has uh, been into uh, therapy uh, with a lot of couples in the past that he does counseling for. And he has scanned brains of uh, couples and he's actually seen inflammation in different parts of the brain, which is why these couples have not gotten along with each other for several years. They've gone through failed rounds of counseling and therapy, eight, eight years of a relationship has been so toxic. And then one fine day, I mean, you know, when you get your brain scanned, you're like, okay, that part of the brain in a woman is so obsessive that she has all these obsessive thoughts. Well, this part in the man is not working because he wasn't even listening. 
because it wasn't working. The part of the brain that needs to listen, process, and make decisions, the preference part that we're talking about, wasn't and, even functioning well. And there are so, ways, once they get the answers to the scans, there are ways to be able to reach, to, to work on those areas so they can fix absolutely. it. It's amazing. Absolutely. So cool. Absolutely. You, okay. can, you can work on your brain. You can start working on your brain today on your own. But mm -hmm. if you need help, as Jen, you discussed, is uh, go to a counselor, you know, get some CBT, get some therapy, couples counseling helps. EMDR works for uh, trauma victims. And like I said, this topic is so vast. We can keep going, talking about different parts of this topic about how to heal yourself, different things for hours and hours and hours. So uh, just to conclude and to uh, for all our guests that are listening to us today, I'd say when you fall in love, your heart's beating and you're listening to the heartbeat and you're feeling all nice and, you know, amazing. But remember, your heart's telling you that because your brain is also giving signals. So listen to your brain first, make the right decision. Love Obviously that. listen to your heart because it is involved there, but you have to listen to your brain. And if you want to listen to your brain, you have to keep your brain healthy away from all the toxins it, that we just discussed. It, yeah, and make sure that you have all the right tools, the psychological tools <clears throat> uh, to, to make better decisions because all of the things, everything together, I mean, everything together from diet to exercise to the right thought patterns, uh, you know, every single thing makes a difference in making a good decision and a right decision, uh, in finding love. And, uh, so I, uh, I will put the link on here on the, on the, uh, broadcast. I'll put the link to Amen Clinics if anybody's interested. I will say I know I've, I have a lot of clients that have different uh, different things going on. that go to rheumatologists, different uh, different disorders that would really benefit from a brain scan because there there are there are ties to it. And if you don't if you don't work on the part of the the part of the brain that is releasing the chemicals that you need, you're not going to get to the root of the problem. It's it's everything. You've got to work on everything, the physiological and the psychological parts. And I just love that you all are doing this. And I love that you're in Dallas now. So uh thank you yeah, so, so we'll yeah. be referring like crazy to you. But thank you for joining us today. You were uh you were so informative. I'm sure everybody heard terms they never even they probably can't even pronounce. <laughs> but uh but uh we appreciate you being here and uh we welcome any questions that you have afterwards as well. I uh, sense there'll probably be a part two to this. Uh, so thank you all for joining us today on the Lovability Show. And we'll see you next week. Thank you so much, Jen. I really appreciate you having me on the show. It was a great pleasure and I enjoyed it. Loved having you. Thank you for joining us. All right. Thank you all. Take care. This is Jennifer. Thanks for listening today. And please subscribe to the podcast. Every single week, we'll have new information. And if you'd like to find out more information or if you have any questions, please go to my website at lovegen.com or you can find me on Facebook at my personal page, Jennifer Styers.